music uh, on Halloween Day. They just break out the Christmas music and they drop it on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, I'm, I'm into this. They tell our friends that you can hear the Christmas music already going. And then there's the others that are a little slower to warm up. They have trouble with Christmas because it reminds them of something lacking or a loss or a sorrow or they just really have come up empty from the attempts to make Christmas joyful because of all the food and all the gifts really just never quite does it for them, they're kind of burnt on that. And so it is a weird time of year, and I think one of the things that the Christian church has done in a very non-beneficial way is we've kind of gotten caught up in the hype in such a way that I think now sort of the posture that we have and the kind of way we talk is like, you need to kind of get ramped up for Christmas. You need to get in the Christmas spirit. What's wrong with you? you got this Grinch thing going. Why can't you get in the Christmas spirit? And it's as if we're trying to bring our joy to Christmas. As if somehow through the, the preps for the gifts and the preps for the food and feasting, the football games that we like and all of the things that are going to be going on through the new year and the holidays, it's like, okay, man, I want to, I want to bring my joy to Christmas. And I think that that misses the point of the original Christmas message and really gets us off track. I hope today to be able to encourage us that it's not our job to bring our joy to Christmas. And I'm hoping that you'll see it's actually Jesus bringing the joy and we are the receivers of it. We need to turn it around because through, okay, I want to listen to all the right Christmas songs. I want to make sure we have all the right gifts and have them wrapped. I want to have all the right decorations. And if if we can have all that, maybe we'll have a good Christmas And I've even heard people say, and you know it's true, you've heard it too, well, we're not going to have much Christmas this year. Things are tight. I'm not going to be able to have very much Christmas for my family. We don't have as much resources as we used to have. And all of a sudden, Christmas gets tied to how much human action can ramp up a temporal joy for a holiday season. And a lot of people, the day after Christmas, are like, Is that it? They finish unwrapping their gifts, they finish stuffing their gut, and the next day they're like, is that it? Now let's go back to normal. Let's clean up this mess. And and somehow I think that in buying into the way that the world sees holidays and sees Christmas and sees joy, we've missed and we've tried to be contributors to joy rather than receivers of joy. And the kind of joy that comes from humans and from the human spirit and from the human motive is usually not lasting joy. It's very temporal. So today I want to share with you some things I think that we can learn from the story of Jesus' birth in Luke 2 that might help us. So let's kind of launch out talking about our homes and what the model home should look like. The model home should look like an environment to know God to grow in his likeness and to show what he's like. That's what the model church should look like also. That we foster an environment where the knowledge of God is what we are seeking and communicating. 
So that in knowing God rightly through Jesus Christ and entering that relationship of faith with Him through the new birth that He grants us by His Holy Spirit through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our repentance from sin, we enter into this place where we know Him personally, relationally, eternally. And as a result, we begin to grow in His likeness. He changes us. He transforms us. And then as we are transformed, we become examples to the neighborhood and the nations of what God is like. God is forgiving. God is just. God is holy. God is kind and He's benevolent and He's merciful. God is truthful. And the church begins to be transformed into that likeness where the church is holy and just and forgiving and merciful and exemplifying by the nature of God in us to the neighborhoods we live in and the nations we go to, that this is what the God we serve is like. And so this is our job, our goal. It's what we're after. So let's drop into Luke here in chapter 2. Luke is a great storyteller. He gives... Probably the most details of anyone in the gospel writers. And he loves little details. And so we're going to kind of look at the structure of this passage, break it into three parts, and see how we can bring those other over into our lives and mimic them in a way that I think will bring joy to us at Christmas through seeing Christ rightly and allow us to do as the angels and communicate that joy and, and celebrate that joy to others. So, we'll begin just a simple statement. The birth of Jesus was communicated by Luke. Take a look in the simplicity of chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It's just facts. Remember that Luke is on a fact-telling mission. Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, servants of the word, handed down to them, excuse me, handed them down to us, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you've been taught. So basically Luke is just going to tell the facts around Jesus' birth. And he just gives them factually. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So he's just listing facts. He's just communicating. Bam, bam, bam. This is the story. And he's just communicating it, coming up to the place in verse 6 where it says, And it came about that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth. To her firstborn son, she wrapped him up in cloths, she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so, what is Luke doing? He's saying, fact, 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 fact. And he wants you to absorb that and and know that this is the eyewitness account that he received from the people who knew all this. Who actually saw these things unfold. And so he's passing these things on to us, to the church. And so he just gives this beautiful, communicated story of the birth of Jesus. Now, this story would not be exceptional 
were it not for the characters involved. Babies are born all the time. Moms come to the end of their, their pregnancy all the time. They give birth. They wrap their babies up. Not a lot of them are putting them in mangers, right? I don't think that's what you did. But that's just a story. It's a peasant girl. It's a laborer. They're not even married. Stories getting out. Weren't they just engaged? I don't think the thing was consummated yet. We haven't had the wedding ceremony. And she's having a baby, so the chatter's running around. It's just, it's basically a non-story. Were it not for the characters involved. Now Luke knows the characters involved because he's been given the information about what he expounds to us in chapter 1 that this angel appears and tells the story of the upcoming birth of John the Baptist and then the upcoming birth of Jesus the Messiah. And Mary says, wait a minute, how can I be expecting a baby? I've known no man. And he says, this is going to be a work of God by His Holy Spirit and your child's going to be called the Son of the Most High God. And she's just blown away by all this and all this thing. So he knows the characters. But he's just telling the story now. And so he communicates it in a real simple way. Fact, 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 fact. Verse 8 changes everything. It's like we go from these facts that are mundane. Mom giving birth in a stable. Laying the baby in a manger. They didn't have money. They couldn't get in the inn. She's kind of got this little bit of reputation going now because they weren't married. Joseph has had to have an angel actually come to him and say, no, don't put her away. You marry her. And so it's just a mundane story. And then suddenly, angels drop in. And all of a sudden, the birth of Jesus is celebrated by angels. So watch what happens in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds. I love that it's shepherds. I don't know if you've thought about the two ends of the spectrum that God made His early revelation to, but you've got the wise men who are kind of like astrologers. They're, they're intellectuals. They're kind of at the upper end of the intellectual and elite spectrum. And then you've got the low guys who are at the bottom end. Um, the kind of equivalent today is like sanitation workers. They're just, um, you know, you don't, the sanitation workers get off the truck and everybody's not hugging them. Uh, they smell like the work that they've been doing. Shepherds smell like the work that they've been doing. So when they came to town, people weren't really pleased if they came to eat at their restaurants. Like, oh man, come on, can y'all sit outside? Y'all smell like sheep. They were not the, the favored people to hang out with. So you got these two ends of the spectrum. When God first reveals the birth of Jesus, He chooses a very special revelation to both ends of the spectrum so that when the angel says in a minute, this shall be for all the people... We're understanding it's going to go from the high to the low in human strata of how we see people. And so, verse 8, they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Could you imagine this moment 
but probably the brightest, globalist thing you ever imagined, just boom, and you're there, and you're frozen by the glory of the Lord, and you're so afraid, you're probably paralyzed in your fear, and they they just arrive, and it says suddenly. So it's this instantaneous boom. And they're standing there. And the Bible says uh, in the King James, I still love when Linus is reading it on Charlie Brown, and he says it so well, they were sore afraid. I mean, he's really afraid. And so they're just floored by this moment. Suddenly, this mundane birth is getting a real different press release. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord makes some unique appearances all the way through the Bible. He shows up with his entourage And he lets the glory of the Lord come out from him and be seen as God has blessed him with that so that he may share it with others. And the glory of the Lord, and they're just stunned. And listen to the celebration that the angels have. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. There's something about the confrontation with the righteous glory of God that will put anybody in freeze mode. The idea of His holiness, His righteousness, His all. Nobody, when they're confronted with the glory of the Lord, goes, look at me. Nobody says, oh, I'm I'm good. They're all scared to death because they see the righteous glory of the Lord and they're afraid and they're stunned and they are fearing for their lives because they know that this encounter could be the end. And so, he says, do not be afraid, for behold. Now, the word behold, we don't use a lot. Do y'all use behold much? I don't think we use it a lot. We use a different phrase that, that uh, is, communicates this. We say, look. Look. It's, it's our way of getting attention. Or, hey. It's, it's one of those ones, or if you get the ball field, heads up. You know. It's one of those terms that we don't use today. But back then it meant, you need to be attentive to this. You need to hear it. You need to see it. You need to know what's going on here. And so he, he says, look here, guys. And so he speaks to him. He says, Behold, I bring you good news. This is the second time that Luke has used this term in his gospel. Luke uses this term more frequently than anyone else in the New Testament of the gospel writers. And the word we typically translate is is the word gospel. It's the word for gospel. It's the Greek word, good news, gospel. A little bit later when he uses the word, you'll hear it translated differently by your Bibles uh, because Jesus goes to preach the good news and then we call it, at that point, we call it the gospel. And so he says, I've got a gospel for you. I've got good news for you. And so he speaks to them and he says, it's good news of great joy. It's the word mega. It means huge joy. 
which shall be for all the people. There's this beauty of it's going from the high intellect to the low laborer and all points in between. He says, For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you. And he's going to drop three heavy theological terms that describe Jesus unquestionably in terms of deity. The first word is a Savior. All through the Old Testament, God was referred to as the Savior of Israel. Do a little word search and you'll see constantly that's the term used to describe God in the Old Testament. He's the Savior. Then you get the word Christ. A Savior who is Christ. And the word meant the anointed King, the anointed of God, the appointed ruler. And it meant sovereign King recognized by anointing. And then he gives the third term, the Lord. He's not using the term in the generic sense of master. He's using it in terms of the elevated sense of Jehovah, God. Just like as we read in Isaiah this morning, in Isaiah 6 and in Isaiah 9, we were reading, excuse me, Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9, reading this morning where the titles of the Messiah are Wonderful Counselor, and then throws in everlasting Father, mighty God. So it attributes to Jesus fullness of deity. And so the angel is aware of that. And then he speaks to them of a sign that they're going to get. We'll come back to that in just a second. But look in verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. So this angel steps out, shows the glory of the Lord, engages conversation with these guys who feel like they're about to die. Fear not, I've got good news for you. For behold, look, hey, heads up, today, for you, for all the people, has been born a Savior, Christ the Lord. And suddenly the background music starts and the the heavens light up with the glory of this multitude of angels who begin speaking these words of praise about the Messiah. Why the big deal? Why are they showing up and going, hey, we got some good news and let me show you how big of a deal it is And suddenly, the heavenly host opens up and all these angels are speaking powerfully. Listen to what they say. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom He is pleased. It's like, wow. I want you to come with me to Colossians chapter 1 for just a second. And I want to tell you why these guys are making such a big deal. I think, in a sense, it's obvious. So, I don't want to insult our intelligence. We, we kind of know. It's a big deal. But these angels, they know who this little dude in the manger is. They know what's wrapped up in the cloths. They know what's sitting there inside the feet. They know. 
And what they're trying to do is they're trying to help the shepherds wrap their minds around something so big that it takes the glory of the Lord to get it across to them and the heavenly host to pronounce it. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Listen to this reading of what the angels understand. This is what the angels, they know who they're talking about. Verse 13. For He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created. Can't you see the angels are sitting there going, This is the guy that made everything wrapped up in these blankets. That's why they're, they're making this proclamation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by Him and for Him. In other words, He's not just making them, they're being made for Him. Saturn and Jupiter and universe, He made them. I always, always think about the movie Aladdin at this point. The original one, the, the, the Disney one with, with Robin Williams as the genie. In this one moment, he, uh, he kind of does this thing. And you know Robin Williams was fantastic at these character voices. And he, and he does this one moment where he stretches way out up into the sky and he says, Great big power! And then zoop, he drops down into the bottle and you zoom down in and he says... In a little bitty bottle. Listen. The power from which the universe came into existence is laying wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, and the angels are showing up, going to shepherds, going, you gotta get this. You gotta get your mind around this. You gotta understand this. This is the biggest deal ever. And so the heavenly hosts all show up and start saying, Glory to God in the highest! And so, they're convincing the shepherds of this great joy. Why should you have such joy? Because the infinite One has become finite, and He is going to save you from your sins. Listen to what it says in Colossians as we go on. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. By the way, all the molecules in your body right now are being held together. All the atoms in your body are being held together right now because Jesus wants them to. Think about this power. <laughs> Listen, you don't need to bring joy to Christmas. You need to come to Christmas to get it. We're not talking about stuff you can buy that next year you won't care about and food that you can eat so that you'll get so stuffed that afterwards you don't even like food. We're not talking about that. We're talking about infinite glory that is beyond anybody here's comprehension. And they're trying to get this word into the shepherd's head. And the shepherds are like, what? Here's what the angels know. 
Verse 18, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. The angels know who He is. So when they come celebrating Him, they're wanting to ignite a celebration in others. They're wanting that the joy that Jesus brings to Christmas be their joy, so that that joy would be everlasting and inexpressible and shared with others, which they do. And so we've got this wonderful moment. Now how big of a deal is this? I want to give you one more angel passage. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. How big of a deal this is. The angels are getting the understanding of the plan of salvation. I don't know when God reveals things to angels. I, don't, I have no clue as to how all that operates. But right now, they know something. Here's what they know. A Savior has been born for you guys and for all people, the high to the low. He is Christ, Savior, the Lord. But here's one thing the angels don't understand. The angels don't understand what it's like to get saved. The angels that sinned were cut off and removed. And they're being held in deep darkness in chains right now. And some of them are running free as demonic figures and Satan being the head of those. They don't know what it's like to get saved. They know what a Savior is. And so they can proclaim it. But you've got a leg up on all those angels. Every one of you who have been born again, you know something the angels don't know. You know what it's like to be saved. Listen, Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, talking about the prophets and says, Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating that He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. He's talking about the prophets of old. But you, in these things which now have been announced to you, through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels... What do they do? What's it say? They long to look. As joyful as the angels were, going, Glory to God in the highest! We know who this guy in the manger is! We know who's wrapped up in the cross! He's the firstborn of all creation. Everything's been created by Him and for Him. We know Him. But they still don't know Him like you know Him. You have a joy that's higher than the joy of the angels. Because Jesus didn't die for the angels. He died for you. He brought Christmas to you. The angels could stand back and say, this is who He is and this is what He's going to do for you. But all of us can gather up and say, this is who He is and this is what He did for me. Our joy is different. Christmas brings us joy. Listen, let's 
try to get off of the idea of trying to decorate up enough, buy up enough, and feed up enough to make Christmas happen. We are wearing ourselves out and wasting billions of dollars trying to attain something that was brought as a free gift. And anyone, regardless of how much money they have, can have it. And you don't need to buy a thing or eat a thing to have it. Listen, we were reading in Isaiah this morning, and I'm going to take this, I'm going to take you to this, and it blew me away this morning as we were reading because sometimes things come to you as you're teaching and you go, oh, I wish I'd have got that earlier. I'd have worked it into the sermon. Well, here it is. Come with me to Isaiah. I want you to go to chapter 9. And it's the promise of the Messiah. It's the, it's the promise of His arrival. It's in chapter 9, verse 2, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. Thou shalt multiply thy, the nation. Thou shalt increase their gladness. But look at what it says they're going to be glad in. And this one really convicted me this morning. It kind of messed up my old Christmas prep. Okay, It says in chapter uh, 9, verse 3, They will be glad in thy presence. Make sure you're putting a C in there for presence. Not a T for presence. The joy of Christmas is that Christ has come to see you. He has come to save you. And He has come to inhabit you. So that He would put the fullness of His presence by the Holy Spirit in you until the time you could fully behold Him. But here's what got me. The next two phrases messed with me. It says, As with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. What does He do? He says, This is better than... But it's like this thing that you're trying to use to make yourself joyful. Material possessions and food. Christmas is absorbed in material possessions and food. What do you got planned for Christmas? Man, we're going to rip the gifts open and we're going to eat. Then, loaded full, it's football time or whatever else we're going to do. How much of our joy on that day is going to be tied that Jesus Christ lives In you. You. That this little baby in the manger through whom all things came and for whom all things are has condescended to move into your heart so that He would be the source of your joy and what you would celebrate at His birth was not trying to create a joy through stuff or through being stuffed. But that you would have a joy so big that these angels who break open the sky and say, glory to God in the highest, would actually envy you and long to look into what it would be like to have Jesus die for them. This is why Paul called it joy inexpressible. 
This is the kind of joy that made him write from a prison cell, destitute of joy. That was his letter in Philippians. And so the birth of Jesus was celebrated by the angels. The shepherds kind of get it. So watch what they do and let's close with this idea and then three words about joy. The birth of Jesus was investigated by the shepherds. Now, here's the thing I want us to kind of take home that I think needs to be a component of how we live. God has communicated the gospel to us through the Bible. Just in the same way Luke communicated the gospel. He's communicated us. And... Like the angels, we now have joy, but our joy is actually superior to the angels. Because not only do we get to see who Jesus is, as they do, and know who He is, but we've been saved by Him, we've been born again because of His death on the cross, His resurrection from the dead, His life of righteousness for us. We have Him and we possess Him and He he lives in our heart. That joy ought to be such... But when people start to analyze us and listen to us and hear us, like the shepherds did the angels, they'll want to investigate if these things are so. Now think about this. You've got a bunch of shepherds. They're out in the field watching their sheep. Angels. <clears throat> One angel. Angel of the Lord. Glory of the Lord. Shepherds like. Angel says, do not fear. I've got good news for you. Of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And boom, background, angels everywhere covering the sky, multitude saying glory to God in the highest. The angels went, I think we need to check this thing out. If this is what they say it is, if this is as legit as they're describing it, I think it's what we've all been looking for. So what do the shepherds do? They go to investigate it. Why? Because of the joy that the angels communicated. The glory that came from what they had to say. What they were talking about and what they were offering and what they were promising in the gospel. The angels go, we need to go check this out. And so what do they do? Look at it. It says right there in Luke, chapter uh, 2, verse 15, And it came about when the angels had gone uh, into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem right now and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste. And they found Mary. And Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. But look at verse 20. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as has been told them. I think this is the church's job. Watch this. You are blessed in this globe. How many of you own more than one Bible? Help me out. You got more than one Bible? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you have more than five Bibles? Join me and Steve. All right. 
How many of you have more than ten Bibles? Come on. I don't know how many I have. I know it's more than ten. Okay. There's about three billion people on this planet that have never seen a Bible. And almost three billion that have never heard the name Jesus. And of all the people on the earth, God has chosen to communicate this gospel just like Luke is doing. Just to communicate it. So that you, like the angels, could have such joy. But even joy that supersedes the angel. So that you could do what the angels did. You could go to every man, woman, boy, and girl on this earth and say this. (laughs) You don't need to be scared anymore. I have good news of great joy. For unto you has been born in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And if you would turn from your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ who lived sinlessly for you and died sacrificially for you and was raised from the dead on the third day, if you would repent and place your faith in Him, this joy would live in you. You wouldn't have to pump it up. You wouldn't have to trump it up. It would all be there because you would possess it because Christ Himself would live in you and you would have joy in His presence. And those people that you share this message with could be just like the shepherds and say, that joy thing is pretty awesome. Let's go check it out. And see if these things are so. I believe we have the capacity as a church to not have to ramp up Christmas joy, but to simply receive Christmas joy from Jesus. So joy is three things. Here we go. First, it's a delight that should be fed. Those passages we read today, they need to be a staple in our diet. Colossians 1 ought to be something we take in every day to say, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. For by Him and for things were all things created in heaven and on earth, whether rulers or dominions or principalities, all things were created by Him and for Him. That's the baby in the manger who came looking for you. We ought to be able to go back with Isaiah and say to ourselves, Oh, glory, that we could have the joy of His presence and it's better than food and it's better than gifts. Joy is a delight that should be fed. And this is a big job for us. Joy is a discipline that should be fostered. When we stuff ourselves with food and gifts, we leave very little room for Jesus. When we spend so lavishly and eat so gluttonously, we leave very little room in our souls for something so wondrous. It's easy to get these things backwards. Am I saying don't give gifts and don't eat? No, I'm not. But I don't think we're holding it in the right balance. It is a discipline to be fostered. In order for me to have the right hunger for the right things, I have to cut off my intake of the wrong things. 
There's no way I can sit down at lunch when Sherry fixes his wonderful Sunday lunch if on the way between church and home I stop and get three packs of my favorite Doritos. I whip those Doritos down, and by the time I get home, I'm kind of like pushing food around on my plate. And one of the most wondrous meals that I get all week, this awesome laid-out Sunday dinner with turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy. Y'all following me? This is what I'm going home to today. All right, and green beans and all these wonderful things. I'm really revved up about that. But I'll tell you, if I go get a Sonic Burger double with cheese and some tots, I'm going to really mess that up. And I think we're messing up the joy of enjoying Jesus by gluttonizing ourselves with other stuff. And it's crowding out the joy in our homes and in our hearts. So it's a discipline to be fostered. I have to work on it. Finally, it's a draw that should be felt. Last night, I went to the wedding reception for Landon and Anna. I don't know if you know those kids. You ought to. They're, they're wonderful. They love Jesus and they're surrounded by godly friends and family. Those kids have joy in each other. Not just the couple, but all. They had a wedding party yesterday with 12 on each side. All right? It's the most people I've ever done a wedding with. There's 24 people attendance up here. It's like, that's, that's huge. And so, I, I saw the joy they all had in each other. I don't know if you were at the wedding, but as each guy passed by Landon, he came up, he grabbed Landon and hugged him, and every one of these guys, unprovoked, said exactly the same thing. Say, I love you, bro. I love you. When I see that kind of joy, I'm drawn to it. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want to experience Joy that is based on Christ and love. I'm drawn to it. When those angels popped out of the sky and started telling all of these things, the shepherds were so drawn to the joy that the offer held that they said, we must hurriedly go and see what this is about. I think that the church in Christ should have such powerful joy that it is a draw that our community actually feels. Because of Christ in us and the joy filling us and the joy shared among us, the community goes, I'd like to check that out. I want to know that joy. Would you bow with me? It's such a good day to be together. Getting ready for Christmas. If you, like me, have been moved by some of these things, you've probably made a realization I made while I was teaching Sunday school this morning that I probably prepared for Christmas wrong this year. I was trying to bring joy to it. <laughs> 